Hello, you are listening to That Sounds Made Up. This is the podcast where we look at all things paranormal, supernatural, and super awesome in American folklore. I am your host, Casey Ellis. I'm here with my co-host. Mad Keeley. And Matt, you brought along a little friend this time, haven't you? That's right, listeners. We have a very special first time That Sounds Made Up guest host on our podcast today of the Redbeard and Gold Smash Gaming Show. Please welcome to our lovely podcast, Mr. Zane Rarick. Hello, wonderful audience. Great to be here. Welcome. Now, Zane is a fellow comedian based out of Chicago, and we're so excited to have him on because he is directly related to today's myth that we will be examining today. Now, Zane, if I'm not mistaken, your residency has something to do with this story, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about where you're from? So I was raised from the ages of 2 to 22 in the great state of West Virginia. Uh, Lived in the Appalachian Mountains the majority of my life. And uh, was recognized by the state of West Virginia as a Knight of the Golden Horseshoe, which is a scholarly organization for people who have distinguished themselves in the fields of West Virginia history, culture, politics, geography and economics so i am literally an expert on the state uh although since discover like since taking the test between then taking it in eighth grade and now i discovered marijuana and death metal so i might be a little foggy on some of the finer details of west virginia history so considering you transplanted yourself to chicago does that make you a west virginia knight errand I suppose <laughs> I I look for any excuse to bring up West Virginia when I'm talking to people. Um, my accent has sort of faded. I have a feeling it might sneak its way back in here as soon as we start talking about some of this holler shit. <laughs> Am I allowed to swear? I forgot to ask. Yes, this is a swear-friendly show. Okay. Wonderful. And especially if that accent starts coming in, I want to hear some swears. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... We're going to take you home on these country roads to our myth of Mothman. That's right. Today's episode is all about the fabled creature of West Virginia and internet fame. The way you say it, Matt, it almost makes it sound like that's our today's sponsor. Like ah, Today we're <laughs> sponsored by Mothman. If you do a two-year subscription, it comes in at... You know what's uh, really amazing is... Uh, shortly after I moved to Chicago, there was a story that blew up that Mothman was starting to be sighted in Chicago. So I wonder if I'm more connected to this topic than I realize. I Part of me wonders if I was followed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just hoping for that third act Jerry Springer show reveal where it's announced that you are Mothman. <laughs> Yes, for those of uh, you who can't see Zane's face, he actually is uh, eight feet tall with glaring red eyes and no neck. A pretty impressive uh, wingspan, too. Fun fact, I suffer from motophobia, which is an irrational fear of moths. Uh, even tiny ones, I hate them with every ounce of my being. And uh, my one of my other West Virginia buddies, my buddy Flynn, shares this phobia. I just don't like them. 
His reason for not liking them is way more intense. When he was at summer camp, he went into the bath, like the bathhouse late at night to use the bathroom, and he says that he turned the lights on and moths were literally covering every square inch of every surface. And no. when and when he was when he ran out, he was pulling them off of his clothes in handfuls, and he screamed, and a bunch of them flew down his throat. So yeah, <laughs> like. I don't fuck with moths. <laughs> okay, well so, then let, let me ask you this. Which is the more terrifying concept? A swarm of regular moths or a close encounter with one giant humanoid moth? So I have, like, this kind of goes in the uh, the vein of the conversation, like, which is scarier, a Tyrannosaurus or a T-Rex? And that's that I can keep my eye on one big thing. It's way harder to... to keep track of a bunch of little things so like i would rather run into mothman than just a cloud of angry real moths because like when something's 10 feet tall you can you can keep focused on that one that one guy well for more context on the origin of this mythical might be existing beast let's have matt give us the origin here that's right. Uh, as you may or may not know, Mothman is essentially West Virginia's native cryptid that we will be doing a deep dive into today. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, Mothman has several distinguishing traits, including a massive wingspan of anywhere between 6 to 12 feet, uh, bipedal humanoid features, and glowing red eyes. We're going to rewind us a little bit backwards to 1966, to the first purported sighting of this scary, scary creature. Picture this. Five gravediggers out at work, two in the morning. It was purported that five men in a cemetery were preparing a grave for burial when they saw something that they couldn't explain. Lifting off from nearby trees was a brown-winged creature. The men held to the fact that what lifted off beyond the trees was no bird, but a humanoid. The creature was gliding above the trees and was in sight for roughly a minute before silently flying away. They couldn't explain it. Okay, so 1965, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the Gravedigger Summer of Love, right? That's that's actually uh, when Gravedigger the monster truck uh, was given birth to by a larger monster truck uh, and then would grow up to become the monster truck star that it is. So something magical was in the air in that year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, to lay the groundwork in a very special location, we take you to the West Virginia Ordnance Works Munitions Plant, or colloquially, colloquially known as the TNT area. Now, Zane, before I explain anything, does this location have any uh, relevance to you? Not particularly. So, uh, Point Pleasant, the town that is closest to where all of the Mothman business uh, was happening is yes. not unlike my hometown. It's a, just a tiny ass, like, on the river town. Um, but I've actually never been there. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's right across. It's the confluence of the Kanaw and Ohio rivers. And mm. uh, it's funny because I went to college with a guy who lived on the Ohio side um, right across from Point Pleasant. And he was talking about Mothman one day. He's like, oh, yeah, Mothman, that's like Ohio's monster. And I'm like, you motherfucker. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Ohio already has LeBron and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Let us have Mothman. <laughs> Do not take this from me. 
So you've never like in your high school time, Zane, like put the top down on the car, got your best gal, went to the sock hop, and then went necking over at the abandoned munitions plant. We didn't have uh, the abandoned munitions plant in my hometown. We had a building that was called Pen Marva, and it was just an old abandoned building. And I don't know what it was for, but it was there. And every angsty West Virginia metalcore band took their pictures in front of that abandoned factory oh shop. I don't know what it was. It was just called Pen Marva. That's what everyone knew it as. That's incredible. Well,. Uh, not unlike Penn Marva, this was an abandoned munitions plant uh, north of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, that dates back to World War II. Now, this facility manufactured ammunition and dynamite during its operation. The surrounding area is mostly forest dotted with numerous grassy clearings and thick concrete domes that were used to store barrels of gunpowder. The area is also riddled with abandoned tunnels, most of which have collapsed, been sealed off, or become flooded with water. A wildlife sanctuary, McClintic Wildlife Management, now encompasses the area. Spooky, I know. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, what I have to say is, you know that whomever reclaimed, like, whatever property management had that lot before they turned it over to an animal sanctuary, they couldn't have gotten every combustible item out of that area. You have to know, at some point, there was a peacock or a deer that just straight up exploded unexpectedly. <laughs> Squirrels running out with bullets in their teeth. I mean, probably that like you'd see regular squirrels that don't live at munitions plants with bullets in their teeth in West Virginia. Uh, That's just a fact of the life. <laughs> there. Yeah, this is just a, like, you know, when you're hunting, you got to keep an extra eye on your ammo bag because squirrels might just come and take your ammo and plan their own. You revolt. get too far. You get too far into the Appalachian Mountains. All of a sudden squirrels just looking at you and strumming banjos menacingly. Yeah. So y'all from out of town? I don't know what. Y'all call squirrels uh, and chipmunks and various uh, tree-born rodentry, um, but the the word that my uncle always used was fairy diddle, uh, which is what? just like, yeah, fairy diddle. It's 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 like a tiny half chipmunk, half squirrel thing that like makes a bunch of noise and scares away the deer while you're hunting, and yeah, that's what a fairy diddle is. Yeehaw! <laughs> Huh. That's amazing. You see, I always thought that's what if Sean Combs ever became a wood sprite, his rap name would be was Fairy Diddle. <laughs> P. Diddy. Hey, that's our first P. Diddy joke on the podcast. Is there like a bell that we're supposed to hit? <laughs> to, bing, to bing. We're going to cue that in later, I imagine. Anyway, in 1979, the fishermen in the TNT area reported that chemicals had been left to seep in the ponds, causing it to be labeled an environmental disaster. By the year 1983, the TNT area was among the country's most polluted sites. Oh, not the TNT area. I know. How Mm -hmm. are you going to take the kids swimming? (laughs) You know, like, I was going to set up my kale micro garden in the uh, the TNT area when I was in high school. I was like, yeah, I'll drive to Point Pleasant and start, you know, urban gardening in the old TNT area. But then I found out that it wasn't clean. Well, I also love that these reports are coming in from the fishermen. I'm just expecting at the local bait shop, it's like, yeah, you want to get some crappie? I tell you, I go down by the munitions plant. If you don't explode, it's good eats. (laughs) Explosion of flavor, maybe. (laughs) Reportedly, the Ohio River was running red at that point from the amount of contaminants in the river. Jesus Christ. Sounds about right. (laughs) Hey, is 
Is that pollution or is this a biblical plague? Quick uh, West Virginia fun fact is it's not uncommon to see rivers and waterfalls that don't look like the right color, not just because of pollution, but because of the species of trees that are in West Virginia. I grew up near Blackwater Falls, which is named as such because the acid from the hemlock trees and the hemlock roots, uh, just it's just a naturally high in acid tree, gets into the water and makes it look black and sludgy, but you splash around and it's perfectly normal water i wouldn't drink it because it's still river water but like it's and, it you has know, this some... appearance that's menacing but it's actually a natural byproduct of the flora and sometimes the water explodes yeah i know the ohio river like i'm not gonna make excuses for them that's the other end of the state i don't know what they were doing to their water <laughs> clearly some cryptid stuff going on yeah i'm a i'm a blame ohio like anytime something bad happens i'm gonna say it was ohio's fault anything anytime something good happens that's west virginia well yes. what is it like the is it the cuyahoga river that's caught fire nine times Mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah, cleveland so. right <laughs> like yeah, randy right newman wrote a song about it like in between toy story movies like <laughs> that's wow. how you get the mothman you have to catch his environment on fire <laughs> And then have Randy Newman write a song about it. Well, the hubris is coming and it's gonna be bad. (laughs) It was here in the TNT area on the cold night of November 15th, 1966, three days after the first sighting took place, that two young couples would encounter this bizarre creature. Roger and Linda Scarberry were driving in Roger's black 57 Chevy Bel Air. Do you remember Steve... when driving used to be like, just like, that's what people did for fun? Like there was, oh, yeah. and like, especially in West Virginia, where like most of these areas are not wealthy elite areas. So like, there's no movie theater. There's no oh, yeah. like anything to do. So you just drive. You like, you grab a malt and y- you drive. Like, well, that was. That was also back when gas was like negative eight cents a gallon. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we'll pay you to get this out of the gas station. Yeah. Also, please. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I, you know, you watch like any piece of media that takes place in the fifties and sixties and like teenagers had nothing to do. So they would just drive around doing crime. Like, <laughs> like just <laughs> mischief. Like, and like, and the adults seem always just like brazenly unconcerned with it like i remember the scene in it where like kids are like carving their names into other kids stomachs and the teachers are like you damn kids yeah all the grown-ups will be boys (laughs) and i'm like this is assault felony assault even like the most innocent activities were like oh we're gonna squish these pennies with a train track that's safe yeah or like you boys want to see a dead body like (laughs) it seems like the setup of a horror movie right yeah, oh, everything in the 50s did. <laughs> 50s and it, it's and not 60s. a good horror movie. It's like a it's like a drive-in Roger Corman, it came from planet Xenon or something kind of horror movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Cut to, uh, they were driving uh, late at night uh, on a double date. Uh, the other names were Steve and Mary Mallet, uh, Mallet through the area around Knowing West midnight. Virginia, it's got to be Mallet. Steve and Mary Mallet. (laughs) We don't pronounce that French word in this country. From a long line of mallets. (laughs) That is is the most West Virginia name I could think of. Steve Mallet. (laughs) 
I'm a farmer and a blacksmith. <laughs> farmer, blacksmith, mechanic. I also make a pretty damn good barbecue. Uh, they were driving through the area around midnight when, reportedly, Linda noticed, unbelievably, two large glowing red eyes in the darkness beside the Old North power plant and screamed. They soon learned that these eyes belonged to something that looked human, about seven feet tall with wings folded against its back. Roger stalled in the road for a minute, inspecting the strange creature. The four realized immediately that their spectacle was no ordinary bird. Okay, hang so, on. So there's the abandoned munitions plant and the Old North Power Plant. Is anything in this area new, or is every landmark just decrepit and old? The last time something got built in West Virginia was probably around, like, 1880. <laughs> like, that was the last time a new building was created. Are you trying to get to the highway? Oh, you got to go past the, the burned-down chicken hoop. Uh, that's uh, about two miles away from the, uh, well, I think it exploded uh, a casino. And uh, that's just the death farm over there. <laughs> the house that I grew up in in West Virginia was built in 1880. It still had, like, old gas lamps in it. Like, wow. we didn't use them, but they were there. And, yeah. I was, like, we found, one time we found, a like, we were tearing down a wall, and we found an old can of varnish, uh, like, a, like it was a in really old can of wood po polish in the wall, and the can of wood varnish was racist. It had a picture of a little black kid on it, and it was like, this varnish won't turn white. <laughs> oh, like, no! I was oh. like, holy shit, this is... Like, and, like, that's just how things were advertised back then. Like, oh, let's take something as innocuous as wood varnish and make it racist because, because old world Appalachia. Okay, so this house is a two-level uh, ranch style. It's three-bedroom, two-bath. The house is racist. It's just ingrained. <laughs> It's uh, not just filled with, but is actually made of asbestos. The asbestos is also racist. <laughs> it's also made of ghosts who have long-standing grudges against separating the state. <laughs> and an old southern colonel specter lives in the root cellar. So any offers? Ironically enough, the old southern colonel, not racist. Just accidentally <laughs> signed up for the wrong army. Just likes to make chicken down there. <laughs> the recruiting the recruiting booths were right next to one another. They got nothing to do. Um, let's see. So uh, back to the story. They see something in the road. He slows down to examine it. The true horror began, however, when the creature spread its wings and pursued them down Highway 62 to Point Pleasant city limits at speeds exceeding 100 miles per hour. So it's canon that Mothman likes to drag race. That's yes. established. So far, yes. the most unbelievable part of this story is that a, um, what do you say, it was a Bel Air could get up to 90 miles per hour. <laughs> a 57 Bel Air, yes. I yeah. Mean, cars no were, way in hell. Cars were made different back then, though. Like Those cars that were on the road then could still drive today, whereas my mom's 92 Jimmy crapped out after 10 years. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure a, a Bel Air needs a state and a half to get up to 50. I don't know anything about cars other than that they have four wheels. 
<laughs> Good job, Zane. Yay. Hot Wheels. Well, uh, to, to examine this further, uh, in my research, I found an interview where they did go out to this particular uh, stretch of road. Um, cue in David Bellamy, uh, rather, Denny Bellamy, the Mason County Visitors Bureau Chief Executive Director, uh, as he recounts events as a child overhearing stories of neighbors sighting a six-foot bird with big red eyes chasing cars down near TNT. Uh, he explained it further. This road is like a drag strip. And that's what Roger was doing out here. He was drag racing. There were scratch marks on the ceiling, and he was shaken up, and he was scared. So this is actually one of the interesting challenges that you run into talking about any sort of Appalachian urban legend, myth, uh, cryptid, anything like that. Mothman in particular, because he's definitely the most famous, uh, is that storytelling, like Appalachia has a very rich tradition of storytelling and like a very rich oral tradition. And I have heard so many old timers grow up say this phrase. They say, don't let the truth ruin a good story. So when you hear people talk about Mothman, it's very, very hard to discern what is a factual account and what is Papaw throwing in some spice. So, like, mm. embellishment and drama are pretty intrinsic to the way West Virginians and Appalachians communicate with one another. So when you hear, like, oh, there's a big old six-foot bird man chasing people out by TNT, like, Papaw's not going to change his story. But, like, what? how much is Papaw, you know... Putting uh, putting frills on things and how much has actually happened. Well, this is also like the second time you've mentioned it as a bird creature, and I'm just accounts. Yeah. Uh, how do you get the name Mothman if everyone says it was a giant bird? It's it's one of the things that like I've always looked into. It's very weird. There is nothing explicitly moth-like in any eyewitness descriptions of this creature. I that think is true. People just really like alliteration, and you know Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, was already taken. You it know, certainly was. <laughs> I'm just imagining like th whoever first published this account is a J. Jonah Jameson Jr. type. Like, all right, what kind of names do we have available? Uh, well, there's uh the Birdman. Ah, it's taken. That's crap. What else you got? Uh, <laughs> how about Mothman? It flies. It's, it has a nice ring to it. Well, it doesn't look like a moth. What do I pay you for? Honestly, that's not too far from the truth. Uh, the actual first attempt at coining the name of this monster was the Mason Bird Monster by the Beckley Herald Dispatch, but it just failed to gain any sort of uh, traction in yeah. it. Mothman is unique, it's alliterative, and honestly, like, I, if, if you're me, <laughs> moths are scarier than birds. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, if you are familiar with the book, The Mothman Prophecies, where a lot of the Mothman lore and popular understanding comes from, if you look at the actual cover of that book, it is the cover is what is very clearly a gargoyle on the front that res <laughs> resembles neither a moth or a bird. And it's very clear that that illustration was not made specifically for that <laughs> book, but they just bought some weird random 1970s sci-fi art piece and slapped it on the cover and were like, Mothman! Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
it it looks like a pulp. It's like people are like, this is the book that educated the public about Mothman. I'm like, this looks like a pulp magazine from like the 40s. It looks like weird tales, something that H.P. Lovecraft would have wrote in. Uh, so yeah, like this authoritative text on the Mothman lore has like one of the most like laughable covers I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so what happens next in the story, Matt? Uh, that was it where like, that was one of the more, um, concise retellings of it. As Zane mentioned, a lot of, uh, different stories kept popping up of sightings of the glowing red eyes, this creature that would, uh, lift off into the night silently and fly chasing after them. Um, and it's sort of gradually evolved into this, um, foreboding presence, uh, people began to assign this specter of oncoming doom to the Mothman. Um, particularly in the case of the collapse of the Silver Bridge uh, on December 15th, 1967. Now, this was a bridge that connected West Virginia and Ohio, which collapsed, uh, wound up killing 46 people, and eyewitnesses had reported see uh, seeing Mothman several days before the bridge had collapsed. Now, what's interesting here is that that gradually turned into a pattern of events uh, at several other notable disasters, uh, notably uh, when a mine in Freiburg, Germany, uh, collapsed and killed several miners in it, as well as the Chernobyl disaster. I did not know Mothman had a connection to Chernobyl. Damn. You're telling me that the Mothman, Mothman is ma mainly a harbinger of poor civil engineering? <laughs> You did not store these munitions correctly. Scree! Well, this isn't up to code. <laughs> He's just the world's, like, meanest fire marshal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, man, He's like, I keep trying to show people my badge so they'll let me inspect the building, but they see my wings and they freak out and scream and run away. It's Even incredible. The city planner's all over my moth ass if you don't get this bridge up to code. <laughs> all right, fine. Don't fix it. See what happens. Another reason that the Mothman label kind of works, too, is that you could say, like, the moth is drawn to the flame. And, Ooh. yeah, the flame is the disaster. So I don't really know what that has to do with the Silver Bridge, but it definitely has a lot to do with Chernobyl and a mine collapse. I would assume that there's fire more associated with that than a bridge collapsing into a river. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was always told growing up that um, in connection to Mothman, like as a kid growing up in West Virginia, that the moth was a symbol in ancient Egypt for disaster. I have oh, never really? been able to corroborate that with any of the research I've done. I cannot find any connection to ancient Egypt with Mothman, that's just a thing that I think old hillbillies were like, hmm, what would sound extra spooky? <laughs> Egypt. Yeah. Those weirdos were into all sorts of freaky-deaky shit because, you know, racism. Mummies. <laughs> yeah. Mummies and Yeah, the Mothman was just, was just hanging out under the Sphinx when the nose fell off, and I told you this wasn't going to work. <laughs> Mothman said so. Um, so there has been uh, speculation on what this could possibly be uh, what these sightings were. Um, one prominent example is a sandhill crane. 
Dr. Robert Smith of the West Virginia University Department of Biology definitely believes that's what people are seeing as a direct quote. They have an average wingspan of about six and a half feet, are three to four feet tall, and have red patches around their eyes in plumage. And another example is a barred owl uh, whose eyes contain additional blood vessels, which causes their eyes to shine more dramatic red. Um, pretty common in the areas and also silent flyers. This could explain the large red reflective eyes that is a common thread throughout all of these sightings. So the only way that that could work with the way people describe Mothman is if a heron landed and like, or a crane and started to spread its wings and then a barn owl landed in front of that and you saw the combined <laughs> silhouette of the two things because one covers the eyes, the other covers the size, but neither covers both. I mean, I guess the red patches around, you know, the, the eyes for the, the crane might explain that. But also, like, it's nighttime. You're not going to be seeing mm -hmm. individual feathers on a bird. And, like, yeah. I don't know if I'm a believer in, believer in Mothman or not, but I don't think that people... Like, West Virginians are very, very aware of the wildlife that lives in well, and around their homes. And I have a hard time someone would confuse a bird for a 10-foot giant monster. <laughs> Well, any student of ornithology will tell you that sandhill cranes just have a natural tendency to hate suspension bridges. It's true. <laughs> They'll pick at those uh, grounding bolts all day until it pulls out and kills half a score of people. Yeah, well, and everyone knows that barn owls hate nuclear power, too, so... <laughs> all right, agents, our number one most wanted man in America is this barn owl. <laughs> Study it, learn its behaviors... Dr. Lecter, you know the mind of a barred owl. What? <laughs> yeah. um, but as such, uh, Mothman has become sort of a staple in online culture, uh, as well as the culture of West Virginia and spe specifically Point Pleasant, the city where a Mothman festival has actually popped up. Uh, um, it's on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mothman Festival is an annual commemoration of the visit of this cryptid, uh, which started in 2002 and is held on the third weekend of every September. Uh, it opened in a Mothman Museum opened in 2005, and uh, around $2 million is attracted annually through tourism. Yeah, Mothman is the is the economy of Point Pleasant mostly at this point. Like, I don't want to say mm -hmm. that they have nothing else going on, but like Mothman's pretty big there. They have memorabilia, coffee shops. Uh, you can get your picture taken uh, with little cutouts of Mothman. And to top it all off, there is a eight foot tall commemoration statue of Mothman downtown. Yes, uh, I have one question here. Has this cryptozoological specimen ever made an appearance at Mothcella or whatever that is? Because, like, that's... You, talk about, you know, where he would be accepted finally. Right? I mean, I think that with the rise of Gen Z, uh, and Gen Z is without a doubt the most open-minded generation, I'm pretty sure that Mothmen will be able to start coming out of the cocoon uh, and... <laughs> just like opening up to the world like you've you seen true blood right like i what like who's to say the same thing couldn't happen with mothman yeah but he's just like cranky and retired at this point i've had enough of this shit flu, 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 flu. 
Yeah, he's retired. He still he only predicts minor disasters right now. Like he warns kids that their parents are getting divorced, or uh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just like, hey, kid, someone ripped a big one in the bathroom. Don't go in there. <laughs> anyway, friendly neighborhood mothman. Really bad. <laughs> your, your sprite's gone flat. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the ice cream has... machines broke at McDonald's. <laughs> the lamp. Um, but yeah, uh, Mothman has, uh, uh, though never confirmed, he's absolutely become a staple in American pop culture. Uh, there have been a string of recent sightings that took place in 2000, uh, 2017 in Chicago, where more than 20 reports uh, surfaced between April and July. He also appears as a NPC in the video game Fallout 76, which is again post apoc mm-hmm. My bad with the, the Chicago thing. Like, you know, uh, like I thought like I didn't pack him. I was like, I'll, I'll leave Mothman at home. I just need to have, you know, some clothes, my camera bag and, you know, a laptop. Do you bring any and, fruit with you, Zane? Yeah, I mean, I must have like left those old wool shirts that, you know, like that's, you know, th- those are like, you know, fruit roll ups to a moth like and. I'm just picturing you, like, on the front stoop of your home, like, go home, Mothman. Get out of here. Get out of here, you stupid, dumb animal. <laughs> but Zane, I love you. Hand me like the gun, Harry Pop. and the Hendersons, like, <laughs> with Mothman. I'm afraid uh, you have to put Mothman down, boy. Uh, oh. Um, and he's also uh, been adopted as an anti-fascist icon uh, through online memes. Yeah, I love that. I love that the Nazis didn't get Mothman. They got they got all the cool Scandinavian symbols, but they didn't get Mothman. We, we like right. the anti-fash. We got to keep that one. So Babadook becomes an LGBTQ plus idol, and then Mothman becomes an anti-fascist idol. That's kind of interesting. I'm all for it. Don't don't let racists enjoy fun monsters. Hell yeah. Um, Babadook was because Netflix accidentally categorized that movie as an LGBT plus movie in their like playlist that particular year. And the internet just sort of went with it. Yeah. And then they shipped Pennywise and the Babadook as a couple, which again, like that's not canon, but it's canon to me. Well, I felt for years that Jason Voorhees was a, a nature conservation like idol because all these kids, you know that they're, you know, leaving their cans and bottles and trash at that lake, and they get punished for it. He's like mm-hmm. the ultimate conservation officer. What you couldn't see is that under the mask, you, there was the single tear dripping down every time they littered, uh, just like that old commercial with the Native American. But the hockey mask covered it up, so they couldn't use Jason Voorhees in the ad campaign. Yeah. Well, uh, that is it for all the info I have on the Mothman. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? Well, on a term of believability, I've got to put this almost on par with the the Beast of Bray Road when we did the Wisconsin Werewolf. I yeah. think maybe maybe somebody saw something bird-like, and of course it's not as interesting to say I saw a, a trumpet goose or you know uh or just something with a large wingspan no 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 it's got to be some interdimensional harbinger of doom mm-hmm. so i give it like a i'll give it a three out of believability that's three that's out of <laughs> ten it's a ten point scale zane ten point scale okay 
there's uh there's one thing I wanted to touch on um that I don't think a lot of people realize and that that is that the Mothman story is also the origin of the Men in Black myth. So Really? At the height of Mothman sightings in the 60s, uh, this is uh, in Point Pleasant and the surrounding areas. Headlines are getting printed saying, like, you know, couple saw flying beast, things things like that, like you covered. And it was reported that men in black suits were showing up to uh, newspaper offices and saying, you can't run this story. And, like, making vague threats to, to journalists reporting on the Mothman. Um, and they, they, they identified themselves as being with the government, and but they wouldn't say what agency. They wouldn't say their names. They had no real credentials, no badge, no identification. And so that, of course, uh, in the wild imagination of the public, spawned the idea of the Men in Black as an agency that's supposed to control um, alien, extraterrestrial, otherworldly, interdimensional beings. Sure. So when it all we wouldn't to have Tommy ab- Lee Jones and Will Smith had a couple of drunk teenagers in the '60s not like like seen a barn owl and thought, "Oh shit, it's <laughs> a monster." <laughs> like, you got all these abandoned nuclear power plants lying all over the place. You don't want attention being drawn over there. Well, exactly. I do kind of like the the international intrigue of this popping up in Chernobyl. Because imagine, like, all of this shit that's going wrong at Reactor 4 at the Chernobyl power plant. All these alarms going off, and someone's like, um, by the way, there's a giant uh, birdman outside. <laughs> it's like, Vlad, we have more important things to worry about right now. It's like yeah, but he's got like watching. scary eyes. He's like, who's got anyone got Polaroid or something? Like, I want to get the picture I, before I die of radiation sickness. You wandering away from workstation is when we have a reactor problem. Oh my god, what if that's what it was? Someone was like trying to get a picture of Mothman, and that's when they hit AZ five. All the time, Mothman's like, no, 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 no. I'm just looking. <laughs> I'm inspecting the plant. Yeah, I, I can imagine Mothman the fire marshal rolling into Chernobyl and being like, I'm here to inspect the plant. And the Ukrainians are like, you're a giant moth. He's like, yes, but I also have a badge. And they're like, fair enough. Like, who am I to argue with, you know, great leader? <laughs> I am Mothman of the Nuclear Regulatory Committee. <laughs> uh, it's fun. He does his best. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to the story of Mothman. Uh, the sources for this story are Dr. Emily Zarka via Monstrum on PBS, the Mothman Cryptid Wikipedia page, BuzzFeed Unsolved video series, as well as Monster Quest uh, from the History Channel, because that's what they focus on, history. Oh, how far they have fallen. Uh, Matt and Zane, what's your 1 to 10 on believability for this? Ooh, I'm going to give this a two because I definitely believe that it's a series of spooky animals at night with uh, reflective eyes. I just love the story that it spawned. As as someone who has spent many a dark night in the Appalachian woods uh, and understands how the creep factor of regular everyday shit is just elevated at night when there's no lights and lots of wildlife sounds, I could say, like, 
they almost definitely were just encountering an animal. Also, West Virginia is famous for its moonshine, and these were teenagers in the 60s with nothing to do. So <laughs> I'm going to say the believability is like a one and a half. But <laughs> okay. whether Mothman exists in the physical corporeal form or not, he exists in the minds and hearts of the people of West Virginia, and that is more real than anything I can think of. Hey, you know, yeah. Moth- Mothman's alive as long as you keep him alive. Mm-hmm. Right in there. Where it matters. Yeah. Be sure and leave out uh, cookies and lamp for Mothman before next Mothman festival. It's actually, uh, you leave out pepperoni rolls and Mountain Dew. That's uh, that's what you, you leave for Mothman on June 20th is West Virginia Day. Uh, you can also do it on the Mothman Festival, but yeah. Oh, we just okay. missed it. Mm. That sounds yeah. like the, the Mothman is like an RA. That's what you leave out for like a grad student. <laughs> I mean... I don't know what Mothman's higher education status is. Um, him and the Flatwoods Monster are probably roommates, though. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that wraps up another episode of uh, That Sounds Made Up. I think this was a pretty good one. Our first guest was on this one, so thanks for joining us, Zane. Thank you for having me. Do you have any plugs you'd like to give before we let you go? Uh, feel free to check out the Redbeard and Gold Smash show on YouTube. It is a comedy video game show that I host with... Uh, Matt and I's mutual friend, Ian. And also, I'm on Instagram uh, where I do my illustration. It's at Art. That's G-O-S-H-X-I-L-L-A-A-R-T. Uh, so, yeah, and I have a link there. If you like my artwork, you can buy me a cup of coffee. Um, and you can buy stickers with my artwork and T-shirts and shit. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, so that does it for us. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, rate it, and send it out to everyone you think might enjoy it. So for That Sounds Made Up, I'm your host, Casey Ellis. I'm Matt Keeley. And big thanks to our friend Zane for joining us. Thank you. All right, stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, we do these every week now, and lots of fun. Wait, guys. Guys, there's there's men in black suits that are coming into my room. They're, they're saying that we, we can't publish this podcast. Uh, help! Help! <laughs>